This is alternative history. Darn it! This is alternative. <laughs> oh my god! This is alternative history. What you been doing in the time off? You know, just eating, lifting. Ain't nothing else to do when you're waiting to record your podcast. And we're back. We are. We are alternative history. We are back. And I have actually been, you know, health conscious lately. I started wearing two Fitbits. So I've doubled my caloric burn, doubled my steps. I'm rocking it. You're a genius. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. Good. That's pretty good. Cheating, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not, it's not <laughs> no, cheating. No, it's not cheating. Not, it's, it's, it's you know, genius. hey. You're it, right, you're right. If you're, not tr- if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I, I totally agree. That's pretty so, so good. We're the Alternative History Podcast, and we are here to provide you with a topic. Yes. With that topic, we uh, give you guys some information, and then we discuss whether or not that topic merits a different perception, a different story, a different result, an alternative history. Yes. So for today, we're talking about the seminal Beat Generation novel, On the Road, by Mr. Jack Kerouac. Before we start, we should let you guys know if you read this book, there's going to be some foul language. We are here at this podcast working on addressing our foul language. Yes, we uh, we have we have rebranded ourselves as a kinder, gentler podcast. We are going to attempt to hold our tongue when it comes to the four-letter words that seem to just kind of flow naturally, naturally out. <laughs> Odd thing, like so, my father had a stroke when he was in his forties, and. He lost most of his ability to speak, but the the words that he could say crystal clear, four-letter obscenities that were bandied about rather frequently in the Fisher household. Oh, yep. So that may, may explain some of my uh, proclivity for foul language, but we are cleaning our act up. We want Definitely. to be more inclusive. We don't want to push anybody away. We want more people listening. Yeah, to I mean, I, apparently, our we want we want to get the uh, the the eight to fifteen year old demographic that not a lot of podcasts have been you know reaching for. I think that's where our bread and butter is going to be because we're hilarious. Yes, exactly. So, all right, on the road, written in 1957 by Jack Kerouac. Talking about the movies in 1957, bro. So 1957, top movies. The Bridge on the River Kwai that had Obi-Wan Kenobi in it. Sir uh, Alan Guinness. Yes. Peyton Place. Sayonara with uh, Marlon Brando. Old Yeller. Oh, the, the Curse of Frankenstein. Wait, Old Yeller. That was Old Yeller. That's yeah. a serious movie. Right Dog. You like cool. dogs, right? I do now. I used to not. Yes. But that movie was before any of that with dogs. I just remember watching it in school and kids were definitely crying during that movie. That, yeah. It's probably because the dog had an old soul. The Curse of Frankenstein, Rain Tree Country, Island in the Sun. This so this next one is the title is a question. Will success spoil Rock Hunter? Mm-hmm. That was a good question. I don't know. I don't know. That is a good question. I'll probably never find out. I, th- I want to go back. Rain Tree County. I think Rain Tree Country. I think is a classic. I want to say. I'm sorry. Rain Tree Country. Country. I think that's what yes. Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor and uh, Montgomery Clift. I think is this before. Or Montgomery Clift had a huge. So Montgomery Clift was a big actor in the fifties. He, he had a car accident. Very handsome man. And fell off. Yes, I think during, this was before it was, this one. Right? No, it was during this, the movie. It was during this movie because if you watch the movie, 
There's parts of it where he looks like normal, handsome Montgomery Clift, and then there's mangled face Montgomery Clift. Bad luck, exactly. And then his career never took off again. No. Or fell off. Well, I mean, it did, but he he had some issues. So, Uh, A Farewell to Arms and Gunfight at the OK Corral. So those are the top movies of The classic, right? Like I don't think I've ever seen the movie. That's with Burt Reynolds? No, Burt Lancaster. Lancaster. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But that's a... I'm not seeing that. I think that's the famous one with a... Who's making out with a lady in black and white in the in the on the beach on the beach and the yeah. water runs up on him? I've never made out on the beach with the water running up on me, so I, apparently I became Something obsolete after yeah, that movie. <laughs> other movie, other great movies that came out: Twelve Angry Men, that's a great movie. I love Paths of Glory, An Affair to Remember, Jailhouse Rock with Elvis, yeah. Funny Face, and th- the Three Faces of Eve. So let's go to TV. Before um, we go, I like to say I watch a lot of movies. I need to watch more movies from 1937. Yeah, I was. I, I'm very, I, I saw. Films. I've seen Rain Tree uh, Country, Twelve Angry Men. Um, I've totally seen that. Um, Sayonara, I've seen Gunfight at the yeah, OK Corral. I've certainly seen but the other ones. I'm not. I'm certain I've seen the Curse of Frankenstein or parts of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've seen one of the Frankenstein movies, we're seeing them all. <laughs> so TV, uh, we got Gunsmoke, The Danny Thomas Show, Tales of Wells Fargo. Have Gun, Will Travel, I've Got a Secret, The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp, General Electric Theater, The Restless Gun, December Bride, and You Bet Your Life. I've, I don't think I've watched any of those shows. I'm certain I've watched Gunsmoke, I'm certain I've watched You Bet Your Life, and there was one that you mentioned in uh, there. Gunsmoke wasn't on, oh yeah, I did say Gunsmoke. Yeah. There's a lot of gun-related I remember Have Gun Will Travel, not shows. because I watched it. I just remember yeah. it because Gene Roddenberry wrote an episode for it. And I remember that oh, research yeah, yeah. on the Star yep. Trek episode. Yep. And there's one more in there. I think there was uh, the Legend of or the Life and Legend of White Earp. I think he wrote an episode mm-hmm. in there as well. But I might be wrong with that. And uh, there's a, another show that was out then that you probably are a fan of, Lassie. I love that show. <laughs> like, of another, dog, another dog with an old soul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people just... Did they have to shoot Lassie? I don't remember. I, don't I think you know darn well they did not need to shoot Lassie. <laughs> Uh, I've never, I've never, I'm not a big Lassie fan. Fair enough. So, music. We got All Shook Up by Elvis Presley, Love Letters in the Sand by Pat Boone, Mm. Little Darlin' by Diamonds, Young Love by Tab Hunter. That just sounds gross. And we'll, I mean, it kind of, it kind of is appropriate for the year. For the era, yeah. For for what we'll see in, in, in On the Road. But yeah, gross. And So Rare by Jimmy Dorsey. That just sounds Yeah, weird. I think yeah. I think probably because of that first song, you let yeah. your, your, your head go far away. Tainted but the well. Elvis Presley, you know, I don't really care for All Shook Up. American Trilogy, however, well, yeah, yeah, is a yeah. fantastic he's got some, song. He's got some good stuff. So. so other music that came out, Tammy by Debbie Reynolds. Banana Boat by Harry Belafonte. Okay. Uh, Wake Up Little Susie by the Everly Brothers. Oh, that sounds wonderful. School Day by Chuck Berry. And Fine. Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino. 1957 was early, yeah. early days of rock and roll. So some of the top news stories. Whammo released the first Frisbee toy in January 1957. I thought this was interesting. It was originally called the Pluto Platter by the original inventor, Walter Frederick Morrison. Uh, Whammo changed the name when they bought it, and I mean the, the Pluto Pluto platter. platter. I mean, aside the alliteration aside, it it almost sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. I yeah, mean, yeah, for it sure. seems a, 
But I mean, it, that was just like you know the the mentality of '57. It was like before. It was when we were building up to the to the space, space race, race, which absolutely. which which was right. happening. Russia launched the first artificial satellite, Sputnik One, which actually kicked off the space race. They also launched Sputnik Two that year, and U.S. attempt the U.S. attempted to send a satellite, but they failed. We eventually caught up and beat their commie butts. Into but, the moon, yes, in space. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> the final "I Love Lucy" air episode aired on May sixth, and the Little Knock, Little Rock Nine were denied entrance to Little Rock Central High School. Uh, the governor of Arkansas used the National Guard to block the students from entering. So, total like different world in nineteen fifty seven. That's insane. In well, some see, ways, we're going to talk about this, and I don't want to tip the hand too much, but I I found interesting how what we think of the 50s is nostalgic, right, in general. But by reading this book and then knowing what was happening in that era, you just always remember that what's nostalgic for some isn't nostalgic for others. Well, it wasn't so much like there's nostalgia for kind of the things that we mentioned in this rundown. Right, right. And that's just what the pop culture was, what, what, what was being produced. There was all the horribleness that kind of goes on in, in today's world was happening then. But they you just weren't talking about it. And not, only they're they're not, about it. And not everyone had a voice to speak about it. And, and not only weren't they talking about it. There were no it. podcasts for knuckleheads like us <laughs> to, to discuss it, right? Discuss whatever we feel like talking about. But like, I mean, not only were they not talking about it, it's like even now or even when we grew up when you think about the 50s, you think of it like a certain way. And what I appreciated about On the Road was that it showed that it wasn't that way. There was it was a bunch of other stuff going on, and Andrew did a good job of that. And like yeah. you kind of see it with all the stuff that's going on in mm-hmm. 1957. You have a whole lot of stuff in the world of sports. I have uh, the in the NFL, the Detroit Lions defeat the Cleveland Browns 59 to 14. That's a different era completely. For for what the, <laughs> the NFL championship? That was the last time Detroit won anything. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. And right? again, think about it. the Browns were in the championship game yeah. against the Lions. That's mm. a different life. In the in soccer in the UEFA Champions League, Real Madrid beat, Real Madrid beats Fiorentina two nothing. In Major League Baseball, Jackie Robinson retires. Giants announced they're moving from New York to San Francisco on August 19, 1957. The Dodgers, consequently, announced they are leaving Brooklyn and moving to Los Angeles on October 8th, 1957. Warren Spahn wins the Cy Young. The Milwaukee Braves defeat the New York Yankees four games three. Yeah, yeah. The In the NBA, the Boston Celtics beat the St. Louis Hawks four games to three. And in world chess, Vasily Smyslov defeats Mikhail Botnovic. From March 5th to April 27, 1957, in Moscow, 12 and a half games to 9 and a half games. This is important because Bobby Fischer wins his first U.S. Open in 1957 and 1958. So hmm. he's watching. All right. So let's talk about Jack Kerouac, right? Yep. So uh, a little bit of info on Jack Kerouac. He was born uh, March 12th, 1922 in Lowell, Massachusetts. He, uh, he grew up in a uh, French household. Actually, his first... Spoken language was French. English was a second language. He claimed his full name was Jean-Louis Libris de Kerouac. I don't speak French, so I probably... That's impressive. Well, you did good. Completely... Uh, I think you did good. Put a little Americanized on. <laughs> Spoke it in American. Uh, his first language, like I said, his first language was French. Uh, he started writing at age 11, 
when he was young, I don't know exactly how old he was, but uh, he had a, a brother, older brother named Gerald who passed away, which affected him profoundly. He received a football scholarship to Columbia University. He dropped out of Columbia when his football career ended due to knee injury. And I read, uh, actually, he played a lot of football, and he was a, uh, a pretty uh, impressive drunk. Yeah. So he had a lot of head injuries from both football and from his drinking career. So some of that was, there was an article writ, written that I read that kind of implied that he may have had CTE because he had, his his behavior after On the Road was published got really bizarre. No kidding. So, so after he dropped out of Columbia, after his football career went south, he uh, started hanging out with, and, and at Columbia is where he met Allen Ginsberg. Uh, John Clellan Holmes and William S. Burroughs, good chunk of the people that would come to make up the Beat Generation writers, and I mean, casts of this and future novels of his, like they are characters with pseudonyms. You so, mean you mean Neil Cassidy, Neil Cass, and other people that you mentioned? Yeah, like yeah, 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 Burroughs, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like these guys. Yeah, are, these are all people that are in on the road. Yeah, and there, there, there's a Seymour, but those are the, yes. No, I was just making sure yeah. that people know that yeah. that though though they're named that. They're clearly different names in the book, but when you do the research, you know exactly who they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in 1944, he was arrested as a material witness in the murder of David Kammerer. Uh, his friend Lucien Carr stabbed the man to death. Uh, it was a stalking case. Uh, this guy was stalking no, Lucien Carr, yeah. No kidding. No Apparently, problem. I think they made a movie about it. Uh, I forget exactly what it was called, but... Uh, uh, he was he joined the Merchant Marines and then he also tried to join the Navy, but he, I guess he was discharged from the Merchant Marines. He was honorably discharged due to being an indifferent character. Which, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and some of the stories <laughs> that they tell in this yeah. novel, you can totally see it. His only child was born in 1952, and he traveled the road on and off through his you know, early or mid 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 to late twenties. Mid to late twenties. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up dying on October 20th, 1969 from an abdominal hemorrhage due to severe alcohol abuse. He was 47 years old, correct? 40, yeah. Two? So 47. 47 yep. years old. Yep. Young. Yeah, like, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And in fact, the two things I found interesting, I didn't know that he was a material witness and I did not know that he, the other brother that passed away. Yeah. So for this book, for this research, I just did research on the 1950s in sports, and then I read the book. Like that was the main research I did. So yeah, like, and I mean that's what we're here to talk about. No, this is all just filler. And the reason I say it's to get us to an hour length. But I think it's why it's no. I didn't mean it that way. The reason I said it is that I find it fascinating that his brother passed away. Yeah. When you look at the context of this book, like, yeah. like cause he, he, it feels like he's trying to make that artificial brotherhood, or he's, he makes it a brotherhood. Yep. We'll, we'll discuss that yeah. for sure. But that, that I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm so. sure that that affected him completely. Like, no, I didn't. In, that, in his relationships with other people, and when you say that, it was just. It, and it just was like a light bulb, so I wanted to make sure I, I talked about it. On to, you know, so should we do a quick recap of the book then? Yes, please. All right, so I have it like in an abstract. I have it literally in one paragraph. I'm going to try not to bore anybody. I'm well, I mean. Quick. It's hard, it's, I know. The book's pretty thin on plot, so. And, and I can bore people pretty good. All right. It basically is two men, good friends, crisscross the country several times and in several directions in search of one of the friend's father. Uh, there is a frantic, frenetic, almost panicked pace to the novel. It is essentially a fight against getting old or becoming an adult or could even be looked at as an utterance of a redefinition of adulthood. Most interesting to me, the main theme that almost connects the novel, Dean 
looking for his father, a figure who continues up to this point to live as a transient drinker, someone who never grew up. Dean is just like him. Essentially, that's the novel. And this is basically, for me, the thing that we're going to talk about is that this is the Bible of Beat, and its DNA runs in, like, hippie movement. Furthermore, it's criticized for just being typing and not being a classic. Yeah, Truman Capote uh, was quoted as saying that it was typing, not writing. And so I wanted to talk about those things, and in that, I framed what I looked at in the themes, essentially in, in what I found as inappropriate behaviors or things that were jarring. The food. Like a lot of it. <laughs> the beat that they talk about. Beatness. The prose, because some of the stuff that he writes is fantastic. And essentially, the references to pop culture, because I found that amazing in this book. Yeah, yeah, there were a ton of pop culture references, which, I mean, it ages the book. When we talked about this off mic once about the aging, I think that it's interesting too, though, because we now live in an era where you can find all the material. So, like, when they cite pop culture, it almost feels like a modern-day footnote or modern day yeah. cliff note you know what I mean or end yeah. note like you I should mean, go look at this and I know it's kind of yeah. it's lame but like you can do that now which was nice where I don't think you could do that back in the day well with so I I, I feel that with the pop culture like with our generation we're what generation X generation Y whatever generation the, Y I've like, heard it referred to that, that we're a micro generation called generation Catalano the best, one, Catalano. The, the best one I heard was that we are the Star Wars generation Star Wars generation I wish like yeah. they should just call us Jedi's then but yeah. whatever so like when I read this I knew a lot of these references that they made mm. I don't think uh, the what's called the millennial generation really gets these would, would get these references I have this huge poster of Richard Nixon bowling in my office and people either walk by it and don't notice it or they don't say anything because they don't know who it is. And I had one person ask me if it was Ronald Reagan. I was like, it's Richard Nixon. And I'm like, I know he's a little out of place bowling, but you can clearly see that it's Richard Nixon. I'm like I asked one, one student, I work at a university and I asked a student if they knew who Burt Reynolds was. And they're like, who's Burt Reynolds? I was like, <gasps> My heart. We do live in an so, era where things get thrown away quickly. Yeah. Uh, I feel you. Like, and, and I guess what I was trying to say about it was that, like, say your parents' generation or the people just under them read it, they might not have been able to find some of the songs anymore. Or, like, say, not even your parents, I'm here for that. Say the people just underneath us or just ahead of us, like, say 45 year olds, 50 year olds, yeah. they might have read it and not had access to, like, YouTube when they read it. Where, like, now you could find that Billie Holiday song if you really wanted to mm-hmm. and actually listen to it. Or the, the jazz singers he's talking about, you can actually listen to them. Whereas, I think younger people could never have done that. I'm not sure that the people now reading it will necessarily put forth the effort to find it. Exactly. So I totally understand what yeah. you're saying. It could age it that way. So, if I may continue, I have three little paragraphs on, on the themes or the thematic things that I found. And I, I implore you to interject. I don't want to bore everybody, but I'm sure that you're going to hear what I'm talking about. It's kind of like Dean and Sal act. Like, they're the only family they have, which, by the way, is not true. And as such, the relationship has, like, toxic issues that you might see in abusive relationships or codependent relationships. And I think it's best realized throughout the entire novel that repeatedly, repeatedly at the end of these trips, Dean always leaves out. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. He just bounces on him, puts him in a bad spot, and just bounces. And it happens often. Like, and it's he's interesting. So there's tension and bitterness at the end of these trips. Like I said, Dean always leaves, except at the very end. 
or Sal kind of leaves D, which was no. interesting. We'll, we'll get to that, but that was, like I said, the theme that at the end, they always bounce on each other. But what's also interesting is that Sal always, Sal essentially idolizes D yeah. and forgives him all of his trespasses. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, you just dogged me, like, three months later, all right, we're friends again, let's kick it. Like, and it's it's interesting because, like, it's interesting because he does that, and then once they're cool, Dean seeks him out every time to start these road trips. Because not like Sal trying to get him, they go. Dean comes long ways to get him, and then they run, and, mm-hmm. they, and they go do the thing. So I found that, like I say, it, 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 what's the term? I think they said something like, dependence breeds resentment. Yeah, and I think that's what ends up happening with these guys. Sure. Like, like they still love each other; they're still friends. But at the end of these trips, they're just like, "Leave me alone." You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, mean, they, really I think they can grow weary of each other. If you read the book, you you'll understand that Dean can have a way of grading on you with his behavior. <laughs> he, he's kind of he he's. Exactly. He has the mentality of a child almost oh, that is just hopped up on benzendrine, benzendrine and, and alcohol yeah, well, and it, just constant motion. He can't stop. It's yeah. like it's frenetic, exactly. Yeah. Like the, the pace is frenetic because he is frenetic. Yeah, yeah. Nervous energy. Nonstop. So as the muse, as the idol, and even referred to as the angel, Dean has kind of been the engine chasing this dream of seeing the country and digging things, you know, mm-hmm. hitchhiking, on the rails, and car sharing. The car sharing thing I found fascinating because I thought that was like a modern phenomenon. I had no, no idea yeah. they were doing that back you then. You could hire a car. Yeah, like they would... Pay together. They, yeah. A group would pay together yeah. and get in a car and then they'd share driving. And that, that's like we're saying, like there are all these things that existed. It's just like the voice for getting it out there. Like they happened, like these were probably territorial things that were going on and now you have an app yes, right, you're totally to connect right. everything it's just exactly the 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 ideas were there even back in the 50s for what we're doing now it's just they weren't being you know executed no bullhorn exactly and so as i say car sharing things like these all essentially all of this is in search of his father and while he's looking for his father dean acts irresponsibly on many levels essentially uh, eschewing anything traditional in the family sense like, I can't tell if Dean is just childish or if he's trying to define his adulthood. You know what I mean? Like, because like, it's real, like, you talk. it's interesting how you say what they were doing back then to what's going on now. And I don't judge anybody, but basically, by the end of it, he's married three times and divorced twice and tries to have, like, the ladies live in the same area so he can get back and forth. And if, the, if that doesn't, to maintain the relationship, and if that doesn't work... He crisscrosses country doing the same thing, trying to maintain the relationships. Yeah, he like, he's had a, he he at one point in the novel he had family on each coast. Exactly, yeah. it's ridiculous. And so by doing this, he essentially disrespects the women in his life, and for all intents and purposes, he rejects like the notion of family. Yeah, even though he's looking for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and so I thought that was one of the major major arching themes that I found in there. Like I found that really interesting. How like. He, he's like pushing everybody he's looking for, basically. And so the digging, digging everything, essentially leads to drinking and drugging and womanizing. Begging the question, do these dudes really want families or do they want to continue living bohemian? Because we are in America and we can do what we want. That was another thing that I thought was amazing about this book is that it's kind of revolutionary in the 50s, but I think this is where people miss the point, right? I think when young people read this, they made me see the fun and the freedom and the let me live life for the fullest. Whereas I think reread or when someone reads it of a certain vintage reads a novel, I think they catch the carnage left behind. Well, yeah, definitely. When I read that, when I, I initially read On the Road when I was 18, I basically excluded 
everything from the novel except the the, the travel, the, the debauchery, drinking, the drinking, yes. the taking drugs, the sitting up late talking, and like you know everything is everything is spiritual and holy, and you know you're you're on like basically you're gonna find God through you know partying and 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 all this you know craziness. Which is a, a complete, like, lie, right? You'd like, almost say you were lacking self-awareness? Oh, definitely, yeah. And so what I found, right, is that Sal and Dean's lack of self-awareness is, is so much so that when they provide actual insight, it's almost jarring in the book. It's all like, Whoosh, I wasn't expecting that, you know what I mean? Like, you guys have just been fools and morons, and then all of a sudden, you drop, a, you drop some knowledge, and it's like... I was not. It shocked me. You know what I mean? Exactly. And when you're young, you aren't watching that knowledge. You're just enjoying the beer, you know, trying to talk to the girls. And, and that's not that I'm criticizing that. I do that. But, like, the way they were doing it was very, it seemed misogynistic and inappropriate to the people around them. Yeah, definitely. Right? And so the last thing, the last couple things that become real clear to me in this book is that it's pretty much pro-substance. And as such, it's anti-cop. He has a security gig. He was essentially a keystone cop. Like he, yeah. he was a bumbling, stumbling, didn't do anything right. He, he on purpose he kind of borrowed like, it. He, him and his buddy shared a gun. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it just seemed like a, like a comedy routine. And, and worse too, like a comedy routine at, at being nice. And remember, they were breaking into people's houses. So at worst, they were. It wasn't funny. They were like, yeah. like atrocious type people. So like, it, as such, not only like the security gig. Don't forget, there's also the part where the cops aren't the best either and they're trying to pin stuff on him remember they get pulled over and they're looking in the car and they can't find nothing and like he goes on this diatribe about here in America while the cops are doing this and doing that yeah yeah you know but like it, it was kind of shady that they were trying to and pin something on them because they didn't do anything yeah. wrong at this point I, I believe at one point he said one of, one of his co-workers that also was a security guard that he had the soul of a cop exactly yeah. like I say and well, he wasn't meaning that in a nice way he was being critical yeah. totally yeah. critical yeah and so, and then the last point was the the, referen- the reference towards the cops in Mexico, where like they're hammered. Remember, they're trashed. Yeah. And they're passed out on the street, and the cops walking around just ask people if they're okay, and then leaves them alone. Yeah. He's like, oh, blessed Mexican police officer. <laughs> I wish the American cops were like that. So again, it's 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 anti-cop like throughout yeah. the entire novel. Yeah. The other theme that seems to run through, which I found really interesting, was that there's a great deal of learning that can occur away from traditional means. And I think that Kerouac has seen failings in the system and is able to point them out. And as such, the novel peels off that 50s gloss, asking, does he want to do what everyone's asking? And answering, he is free to do what he wants. Yeah. But I mean, he gets that to an extent. I think there's a part where he completely misses the mark. Exactly. That's what I'm but, Dina, but he understands that at what he calls the white world... Like, the trappings of it, like, uh, getting married, a nuclear family, buying a house, white picket fence. Like, that's not that's not what where his path is. He, you know, getting a 9-to-5 job, that, that's not where his path lies. And he's, 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 he's rebelling against it. And, but at the same time, he, I think he misses, he misses the mark where he goes with this. Exactly. And, and it's all good and, and great. It's all, it's all good and great. And great that he's trying to reject the stuff. You're totally right. I agree. Yeah. The thing is, he and Dean lack basic self-awareness so glaringly that it makes them not relatable. Yeah. Like, I remember being young and partying, and I don't recall being this douchey. And I'm sure I was out of no. order. I'm sure I was bad. Yeah. I know I did stuff I should have done. Like, I know for sure. But at the same time, 
it's like these guys were just jerks, dude. Like, like and it was that so, that was so hard to read. That that was the main thing. Is like like it's got a bunch of the good freedom stuff. It's got a bunch of the good stuff about like what it was to be in America at this time. You're showing all the stuff, but you're not showing. They're not showing themselves in the best way in the sense that, like, I know that your heroes shouldn't be perfect. These guys are far from perfect, but they're, like, so bad that you can't like them. Like, I, I, I had a real yeah. problem liking these dudes. So, you know, the debauchery goes along with the lifestyle of drinking and, and drugging and all that stuff. So so that I can I can kind of understand, right? What, right. I, what I don't get, what I don't appreciate, and what was glaring to me now as opposed to reading it when I was 18 was, like I mentioned, how much... They missed the mark on, on uh, like the yes. na- the naivety, the the just like you said, the lack of self awareness of what they were actually doing. Sale and Dean seem to be projecting themselves into different culture. cultures, yeah, and thinking that they are that culture, even though they're just exactly tourists in, totally. in one regard. Like they're, they're like there's a difference between you know. Learning about a culture and, and 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 appreciating it and appropriating it, claiming that you're part of it. Yep. That those are t- way two different things, and I think that Ker- Kerouac, Sal, and Dean in the book completely missed the mark. They don't understand. No, that. no, especially Sal. Like, like, cause Dean, you don't really get the picture painted of. I don't think he's really trying to do that. Whereas Sal is certainly doing that throughout, and he misses the point. But the reason, well, so the reason why we get it from Sal, he's the narrator, narrator right? That's what I'm trying to say. I had a sneaking suspicion that if if Dean was the narrator, that we may get some similar language like that from him, like we got from but, Sal. But the thing with Sal, the thing that I found interesting with Sal is that it, it's weird, right? Because like he wasn't exactly racist. Like there's racism in this book, you know what I mean? Tons of it, even. And there's there's tons of stuff I don't like. I'm gonna give that in a second, right? But what I found about him is that. Because he wasn't racist, because he essentially, he, at the end of the day, he does adore the black culture. Like he, yes, he, he really pays homage to it in yeah. this book, which was I wasn't expecting. But because he likes him, he thinks he can say stuff he probably shouldn't be saying. I think there's a difference between paying homage to them and when he go to he takes it he, like there's a there's a passage where he takes it to a to a degree that is. Completely unacceptable. Well, and it's glaring, right? Basically, yeah. a couple times, and I think I know what you're going to talk about, but essentially, you could argue that he apparently doesn't understand the relationship that African-American people have with picking cotton. Like, he's literally yeah. out of touch with the stuff he says about it. And it's like, when you read it, I don't, even, I don't want to give it life, so I didn't really, I had the quote, but I don't really want to say it, but when you read it, it was like, geez, you really don't know what you're talking about here. You totally missed the point. Like, like after being yeah. really solid with what you knew and what you were trying to say and what you were talking about, then the whiff like that, it was just like, it takes you out of the book. Well, and then there's that, and then there's the section where he, he basically is disavowing, you know, the white society, saying that there's not much the white man society can offer me. He'd rather and be... I, I wish I was African-American. Or Mexican. Or, Mex- or, yeah. or and, Asian. And, yeah, yes, and, and, and specific to the African-American experience, he kind of he kind of just kind of craps all over it and just says that they're so happy and everything's... He he make he make he paints a picture that is non-existent. Totally, he misses the boat for nineteen fifty-seven. And he tries to say that I want to be I want to be in that in, in what he in that thinks culture. it is. Yeah, exactly. what he thinks what he wants it to be, and, and it's, not what it is. Yeah, 
I, I and, totally agree. And I think we we both read Claude Brown's Manchild in the Promised Land. Yes. So if you really want to get a picture of what it was, what the African American experience was in the 1950s, read that late 40s. Yeah. That that would that mean I don't think Kerouac was aware that that was. And by reading, if he was book, aware, maybe he was blissfully no. But by reading, of it, by reading something but, like Manchild the Promised Land, you'll get a real depiction of what was happening with white people in the fifties. Yes. Whereas by reading this, you don't get the most accurate depiction of what was happening with both Mexicans or black people. Yeah. In, in, the 50s. in regards to race relations, and I think Kerouac, if I don't know why he he puts that section in the book, it seems like he took it to a. Again, he he, he lost he lost he he basically yes. rereading it. When I was eighteen, that stuff it, it it I read it, but it didn't didn't register. It didn't right? hit, right? Didn't hit. Yes, it wasn't what I was focusing on. Reading it as an adult, thirty eight years old now, that basically to me almost negated the novel. To Took me. you out, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. So if I may, just let my last big spiel here, and then we'll move forward. It's what I found on like the inappropriate behavior, the jarring stuff, if I will. So like, it's a classic, you know, and it's a road story. And it's an American story. So when I think of this book, I think of, like, Of Mice of Men. I think Old Man of the Sea. I think The Great Gatsby. Man-Child in the Promised Land. The book that it most reminds me of is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. And, the, and then I think of the Poisonwood Bible. The thing is, like, I remember those books, and I remember liking reading those books. Like, some of them, like, for example, the Poisonwood Bible, that took, like, 150 pages to get in. Sometimes you read those books and you're like, ugh. I'm done with this. I don't want to read 150 pages. Sometimes you get into it and you're like, okay, it was totally worth reading. Like, this was amazing. That's what the Poison Moon Bible was. This thing, I didn't like reading it as I was reading it. Like, yeah. when I was reading it, I'm like, ugh. By the end of it, I actually ended up liking the book. The, the, I found the passages on food and pop culture fascinating. I really enjoyed how his themes were clear, and I found some of the prose to be next level. Up there were some of the best stuff I've ever seen, the best stuff I've ever read. I did not like, as I read it, many things like the racism. The thing is, I can get past that for the most part, as I did not necessarily feel that Kerouac was racist. He was more like an ignorant celebrant of other culture. Yeah. Makes sense? Like, yeah. he, he was trying to celebrate the culture, but he didn't know what he was talking about. Exactly. So it, yeah. it comes off as wrong. Like, and it, yeah. and it almost, as I said, pulls you from the book. But at the same time, it captures the reflections of the time. Which, at the end of the day, is the kind of stuff that is good to examine. People should read these classics and know what was going on and have a better idea. Like, that, that's what's important about reading classics. No, yeah. Like I said, I didn't like the book as I read it specifically, as I felt it was a glorification of debauchery, which I don't think is that bad, because I like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. I just couldn't relate to this book. Whereas, maybe it says something about me that I could relate to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, <laughs> but I couldn't relate to this at all, on, on a bunch of levels. And, and the thing is, like, and to journal some of this stuff was kind of lame. Like, there were things that were bad about it. Like, the criminality, mainly, like, they're thieves. Like, they're trying to steal all the time. Like, it's part of the deal. Like, it's like, oh, I just walked in, they're in the way back. And the, there was the one passage where they were at the food, at the house gas station, or, like, house store that had a gas station. Yeah. And the family was in the back eating their dinner. And both Sal and, and, and Dean rip them off. Like, oh, yeah. They, they yeah. get gas and just a ton of food. They would, I think they would turn the car off as they were pulling up. And like, like, that. like, sure, when I'm younger, and I could be like, that's cool and awesome, but I think yeah. about that now, and I'm no, like, dude, yeah. that was ruthless and horrible. And, and, they, they, and Dean was... Steal it, just yeah, being a crook. Just yeah, just steal, steal cars. There's constantly. a passage there where you yoink. Remember, he, he stole a cop car. Like, he yeah. was stealing cars. Like, yeah. he was... He, there were passages in there... I don't remember if you've ever seen the movie Menace to Society... 
but at the beginning of that movie, they go into a liquor store and they come out murderers. Like that's the line, and like they weren't going in there to become murderers. It just happened. Like that's the kind of stuff that Dean would get you into. Like, oh, we're yeah. gonna do something and go hang out, and next thing you know, the cops are involved because well, he spent a good, 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 t- good chunk of his time in the reformatory and, and, when it was. But when you it was find out, yeah. The you know the substances like it's like a glam. As I say, it glamorizes alcohol and the debauchery, and it kind of former form further normalizes alcohol use because even when they're not like getting messed up it's pretty cool to be drinking which again we're all grown so i have no real beef with that yeah but i bet you it was interesting back then to see that but the glorification of that alcohol was kind of weird because we also now know what it can do and what it does to family also like there's benzo benzodrine usage benzodrine, yeah. it's like kind of alluded to but it's not definitely said when they're like there was a bunch of those little packets in the ground so it's clear yeah. that someone had done it yeah. even though they weren't showing it it wasn't so much that it was glorification, but they showed the use of heroin and they showed the use of marijuana. Like old, those, I believe old bully was just shooting was, up like four or five, yeah, yeah, all the time. And yeah. like they were smoking reefer, but it wasn't like like when you when you see Fear in Las Vegas, it's a, that's more of a glorification of smoking reefer. So this, the, I mean, they talk about it in this book. Like Kerouac, you know, talks about it. I mean, it's not it's not a point of like. Like in Fear Loathing in Las Vegas, it's more explicit. Like yes. that, it, it is basically in the doing. DNA of the book. Exactly. Like, and he's going to give you a, a line item of what, what else what's, they're doing, of what's been ingested, <laughs> exactly. and how much. And, fun. And so the other thing that was bad was the gender dynamics in this book. Like from trying to hook up with each other's girls, to trying to hook up with underage girls. Misogyny. Oh my god. That's, one one it was instant. very misogynistic book, and and I, I got a mighty. When I was eighteen, again, I still like like I said. And, it, right? and you know what? Maybe, and I think that's what happened with this book, and I think that's what happens with how it influenced other cultures. Is in the same way, Kerouac, how he saw other cultures, he was he 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 basically cherry picked things that he needed to make his to, narrative, yeah, nice. Not and, no, and I think good. that, and I think that's what I did too when I was eighteen. I, I cherry picked things out of it that you wanted, and I don't know if 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 I read read these things and just decided to just kind of blot them out or if I just didn't give a shit or if I didn't care or you know yeah, so it's just you know and I think that I think that's how it, the book kind of got a little bit misunderstood where totally it, you're totally right because you're 18 when you read it right yeah. 19 20 you, you could be probably like 25 and still be young and you read this and be well, like I reread it when I was in my early 20s and I still didn't really get the, the gravity of because, how some the, the, some of the awfulness that goes on in the book because until you live a little longer you don't know what awfulness is essentially yeah. right because you're still innocent and, 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 and maybe that sounds too deep I'm not trying to be that no. deep but that's kind of what I get from this book when you read it to further on with the misogyny there was definitely one instance of physical abuse between Dean and Mary Lou and there was another incident where uh, they had definitely talked about a homicide suicide pack so this is like the 50s you know this, this is like this is not 1990s you know what I mean this is back in the day going on so it's it's interesting Obviously, we talked about racism, the lack of respect for family, and then there's homophobia throughout. Like, that was jarring. So, like, as I say, as you're reading it, it's like, it just hits you when you're reading it, because it takes you out of the book, and it kind of sucks about it, because when you're reading it, it it almost ruins the book as it's being read. But once I finished it, I was like, okay, this book is actually better than I thought. Like, like, as I I, I was reading it, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, or think I was going to like it, but at the end, I do like it, because... It's it's purely American. Like it's yeah. it's an American novel. So, he writes America. I think yeah. he's really good. And that's my two big diatribes. So I, I don't really when I, talk anymore. So please. When I read it when I was eighteen, you know, I I, I appreciated it for it it the freedom that it it could it it showed you that you could have right. Yep. 
Exactly. I, I, I love that part of it. Um, when I read it in my mid-20s, I still saw that part of it. I mean, it wasn't that as important to me. I kind of, you know, I was getting a little older and you know, life was changing. When I read it when I was 38, and I think I, I, I completely reinterpreted it, and I think I did it as kind of like a self-defense mechanism to make me still justify liking the book because I still like the I book. Still, I mean, yeah. it holds a, it holds a, a spot in my in my life in my heart. So I kind of look at it now as like a a coming of age tale, and he's basically showing the debauchery and the bad things and the evil things that that Sal did and. And I'm hoping that he sh- that he wrote some of these things as as kind of the ignorance that Sal had, mm-hmm. right? And that's how I have to frame it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just it, it it like I said, there's some parts in there that can negate the whole book for me if I don't look at it in a way of this is a coming of age story that ultimately leads to the point where he has to reject Dean and go towards a different path, path. Yep. which is almost what he was rejecting in to begin with, right? For the whole novel, basically, yeah. they're like that, that. They don't want to do and, that. They're not leads, trying to get married. He, they're not trying to yeah, have families. Yeah, and he gets to a point where he meets a girl, which just kind of just kind of. Unfortunately, it doesn't really give any kind of like in-depth detail as to what happened. Just that he a girl, and I, now something's like different. But I like that because it was life. Like you know, because when people don't see each other, right? Like they see each other for months. You haven't seen him, and all of a sudden he shows up thinking things are going to be normal. No, oh, man, you know, he's got a just in a bed. Yeah. He's got a girl. Like, you know, that's it, what happens So sometimes. in my new reinterpretation of the, of the book, if, he, if, we're lo- if I'm looking at this as a coming-of-age story of Sal, right, where he's going through all these trials and tribulations and, and basically learning what he wants to do with himself and, and exploring his life, and then it leads to a point where he, there's a change I don't. We don't get to see the change. No, no you just see. You just see Sal. I mean, yeah. You kind of. You kind of feel that it's coming when he gets left there again, almost like you <laughs> again. Know, sick as hell yes. from dysentery yep. in Mexico on a cot, and Dean just kind of leaves because he's got stuff to do because he's got families all over the place. Oh, yes, exactly. So you get to that point, and then I think at that point, to me, that's the rejection of the way that he was living. He, I think, it got to a point where. It's kind of like, well, you know, he left me at my, like, lowest point, right? Mm. So then he goes and he has to start a, a new, a, he has to live differently. And part of that is rejecting Dean, even though he doesn't want to. He, If he wants to have this new life where he's got a, a girlfriend who could be his wife and go to a concert that starts at a certain time, and you have tickets for, so it's a scheduled event. It's not something you can just pick up and do or pick up and go. So he's, go. He's, he's got a scheduled life now, yeah. which is kind of what it implies to me. So he has to reject Dean, right? Yeah. The problem for me, though, is is that from the, the cot with dysentery and Dean leaving him to the point where he met this girl... It just, it just, it just jumps too quickly. Yeah, no, yeah. I, thought, it, right? I thought there would have been... There's a good chunk that, that could have been written there that would have bridged the gap for me but it didn't exactly in case we didn't clarify at the end of it that's the thing that happens that's where he finds he finds a girl when he, yeah. when he after they separate you learn that the, at the end of the novel he now has a pretty serious girlfriend mm-hmm. and like to your point the thing is I found different like you're right they didn't explore that at all and they really didn't discuss it but I thought that he was close to going with Dean when Dean showed up. Like I thought, I, I think he was real close to bouncing out. He wanted to. He wanted them to take Dean, but 
he checked with his friend, his well, other friend, right, Remy, the right, guy right. that he used to, he was the, the, the guard. security guard with. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, he, I think that, I think on, a, on another day, he would have gone with, with, with Dean, or he would have brought Dean with them. I just think that he didn't want to give it up now. Like, yeah, like, but I mean, I think he, and the reason I say that is because remember how so little point is focused on that relationship and on that girl. I know, yeah, yeah but I think, I, I think mean, it. there's a reason why he wrote that, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, outside of, like, Maybe it just happened that way, right? I don't. Because he's got to end the novel somehow. I mean, I know for a fact outside of this book that Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy kept on going on trips. trips So that's what I mean. So like, it's basically. But I think this has to be like he had to wrap it up, right? So he had to have something that shows that there's a change, right? Because otherwise, like you just wrote a novel almost 300 pages long about some dude just going back and forth across the country with another guy and he kept getting you know breaking a family family, basically destroying and like what's the point like no plot like there has to be some kind of change in your main character it has to be hard earned hard hard fought and I think it was and I think that has to me that has to be it and I think he specifically put in there that there was a show that they had to go to that they had to attend to. I feel you. No, yeah, you're right. There so, was a so schedule he made now. the change, like, right? Like, I got you. I, I, I and totally that's what agree. adult life is all about, following your schedule, right? Like, I, that's all I do go is to work, follow the schedule. Go to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I so I think that's where Sal going in, in the future, I mean, whether or not the real story behind it went that way which obviously we, we know, know it doesn't didn't. exactly so uh, but I think it I think Kerouac had to put it in there like that right to give the story some kind of ending some closure no I think you're right it's basically otherwise a quota. it is a quota it's like a five page chapter yeah. at the very end like because I, like, I almost kind of wish that he would have just this, this has been more, the running theme when we discussed anything I kind of just wish that he wouldn't have had that last chapter I think he just should have left them in Mexico and I think like it would have been a very jarring ending yeah and it, and yeah. It's, it, and it would have said more than what the last and that, that that last little section says because yeah. kind of at the end of the day it's the same thing right like you're separating because this guy dogged you and uh, you need to be he just looked at the top of the world sick you know what I mean like you yeah. can't go back to kicking <laughs> with this dude like, like that that's but again I don't mean to judge or be critical like that I just found that interesting and I think that like that's the the thing is like it almost because of the jump they were doing it almost took you out of the book that you missed the finer points and like there are some real fine points and I think he does some really really good stuff so like. Well, some of the pros in this I thought was fantastic. Like yeah. some of the lines were really, really good. I'm gonna tell you a couple of them that I really liked. So this was on page, this was on part one, chapter seven, page forty-four. Dean says, "We're really all of us bottomly broke. I haven't had time to work in weeks." <laughs> That's really funny. He's traveling around Denver, laid about, schedule. getting messed up with his girls all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and like because remember I, when we talk about a schedule, like Dean's schedule is 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 like sexual conquest. No like, schedule, exactly. Yeah, and, but, and like it's like it's it's not a adult life. Like he's not. He's just basically a, you know screwing people and that's his life I get uh, anyone really yeah. and he meets up with uh, Carlo Marx and and he would remember they'll say he was a he was abused as a, or maybe not abused as a younger but he was as a youngster but he definitely was a hustler as a street, young, hustler, street yeah. hustler so he definitely sure. had sexual covers that way for money so yeah he, he uses his body as a weapon like, you could definitely say that one of the other lines and I said we're not going to swear anymore so this is a swear from the book sure part one chapter 11 page 69 he goes you tell that Texas son of a bitch if my brother ain't out of jail tomorrow night, he's gonna get his ass fixed. I told Sledge in a neutral way. Uh, that was hilarious. Like that's <laughs> genius. You, you know what I mean? Like it's really good. Uh, or 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 some stuff like 
It was a completely meaningless set of circumstances that made Dean come, and I similarly went off with him for no reason. Like, that's almost like the quintessential part. Like, that is the book. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. basically it's, what, what it feels it's like. Some, it's like some kind of, like, poetry of vagueness, you know? Like, like, like even, like, if you read the beginning of the book, it starts out so vague. Like, reports of him came from... And, letters from yeah, yeah and, and, absolutely. and there was like some kind of illness that he won't bother discussing it said i had just got over a serious illness that i won't bother to talk about except that it had something to do with the miserable weary, weary split up and my feeling that everything was dead like that i mean he's kind of describing depression but it's kind of like it's like he's not really getting to the point and like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of vagueness in this and a lot of like no you're right absolutely dancing around the the subject there's some there's some because it's american and because it's on the road and it talks about roads there's some predictive stuff that i found surprising or that i find interesting so there's one here uh part two chapter 11 page 177 he'll join anybody but he won't guarantee to be there with you in spirit i, mean, I think with like cell phones and social media nobody's really present anymore. Yeah. And I think that this that line captures what this time is without really meaning to, like, kind of perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, and similarly, chapter part three, chapter four, page 211, I told Dean that the thing that bound us all together in this world was invisible, and to prove it, pointed to the long lines of telephone poles that curved out of sight over the band of 100 miles of salt. This is even more so now with the internet. Wi-Fi yeah. and social media and phones, like and interconnected speakers, like all these things could be bringing us together, but are kind of like, I mean, all these things connect us, but they're driving us apart. Well, like uh, if Not you look, everybody, like, you know yeah, I mean? no, but like if you on certain days when when life has been kind of kicking me in the shorts, like we'll go home and and we'll all be sitting in the same room, but like we'll like either the kids will be on TV or playing Xbox, Jessica and I will be on our phones. Or depending on the situation, we might all be on some kind of like handheld device. So we're all together, but we're not. You know, it's a weird feeling, and it's it, it's a feeling that's not new to our generation. That's where that's where I think people get kind of weird about technology, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I'm no, getting a little right. bit off topic here, but people like rail against your like looking at your phone. I'm like, well, what if we were all sitting around reading a book? Like, we're still together but we're not we're in different places mentally i've grinned so much when you're talking about this because like we just had our easter dinner and my cousin had left his phone in the car he was the only one so we'd all thirteen. we have like a group in the in the living room and we're just you know all of us on our phone yeah. and nobody's paying attention to anybody and all of a sudden jerry's like so how's everybody's phones <laughs> i thought that was brilliant you know but, yeah. but you're, you're totally right like like you're just not there now you know what i mean like everybody's you said it right like even like I think that the point that you're making, I would disagree with because I think that in the back in the day, if you were with a bunch of people, you wouldn't have a book. You would just be with the people. You know, I'm sure there are situations where, of course, you'd be reading a book. But I mean, like now, you know, everywhere you go, uh, you mean, got your phone on you. You know, we, what I mean? like anything, we've we've mastered it, right? We've mastered being together but not together. Yeah, and I mean, it did happen back then, right? right? It, I mean, it was it just is. What I'm trying to say yeah, is like we, we've seen right. we've right. seen that there are phenomena that are occur that that or or ideas that were present in the 50s 
when this book was actually mm-hmm. written, yep. like the early late forties, early fifties, that are still like that we do now that people think are novel things now, but they're not, novel. right? These aren't new things that are just happening. It's just that we've we've supersized them or made them made them a little bit like it's a little bit more a phone is a little bit more addictive than a book, right? Yep. Um, you know, it, it's it's a lot easier to, to get a, a car service now. You could use your phone than it was back then, but you were able to do it though, yeah, right? You're totally right. No, I feel you. You're, you know, that makes perfect sense. You're right. We 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 seem to have sacrificed the connection for the convenience. Yeah, Does that makes yeah. sense, right? Sure. Continuing with some of the other lines, I really like this book. <laughs> it's pretty good. He goes dot 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 useless. Both ways traffic forced him to fall in line at a crawling and miserable 60 miles per hour. That's pretty great. I like this. It's kind of too much, but I thought it was funny. I gaped into the bleakness of my own days. I had an awful long way to go. Not bad. Here's a real good here's real good writing. It was tremendously hot. We were all sweating buckets. There was no night dew, not a breath of air. Nothing except billions of moths smashing at bulbs everywhere and the low rank smell of a hot river in the night nearby, the Rio Grande, that begins in cool rocky mountain dales and ends up fashioning world valleys mingle its heart with the Mississippi muds in the Great Gulf. This is a tremendous run-on sentence. Yeah, like, I mean, I loved it. I was like, damn, like, yeah. yeah. And uh, he got he got a lot of crap for writing like that, and that, he called it spontaneous prose. And he didn't want the the you know he didn't want he didn't want to end a sentence. He didn't want a punctuation to interrupt the flow of the sentence. Was which we, I mean, in some regard, it's fine. I mean, a lot of guys do it now. Have you ever read Cormac yeah, McCarthy? Like, There's like no punctuation. Oh, in Cormac I, McCarthy. I have read him. Yeah, that's yeah. very hard to read. And we talked about this. Like, if you're good at something or expert at something. You can break the rules because you know the rules. Yeah, and I kind of think and, and, he does. And Kerouac, they, he's been called a hack in some regard, but he was like he wrote a he wrote a couple novels before right. this. Exactly, he wrote one ra- rather after. decent novel called The Town in the City. Right, and he wrote after, so like he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Exactly, I like that. This is probably my favorite line of the entire novel. <laughs> he's like dot dot dot. Heard a baby wail in a sudden lull, remembering I was in Mexico after all, and not in a pornographic hashish daydream in heaven. <laughs> like, That's funny. Hear like, a baby cry, like, not, not a baby wail, like yeah. you know, like orca, like a baby, like a little baby crying in the background. <laughs> like, and then I'll give you my last perfect, perfect line, or then we'll continue to move forward. Still, there was no breeze, but the steel had an element of coolness in it and dried my back sweat, clotting up thousands of dead bugs into cakes on my skin. And I realized the jungle takes you over and you become it. It's gross. It's extremely disgusting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know how many bugs there were down there. It just seems a little excessive. I, it's, it's insane. But, I, think, but, I, think, I think there may be a, a touch of hyperbole exactly. in, but, some of that, in but, some of that part. Some of them are just really, really good. I really enjoyed it. And so, I, like, I think, I think, like word for word, that last paragraph that he wrote is is one of the better ending paragraphs. I'm not going to read it. I, I implore everyone to, Check to at least out. read this book. Yep. Right, it's worth reading. It, it it has its its horribleness to it, and I think a lot of good books do show some horrible things. Right, especially in the back, cause you get to see what it was. I mean, yeah. that's why that's the thing that I, I that, that's something I agree with in terms of studying the classics or reading the classics. Like it shows you. What was happening at the time? 
That's why it, it is important. Though things could frustrate you when you read it, you really should try to not bring, for lack of a better term, your baggage with it. You should try exactly. to read, you should try to read I think, things. I think, I think you, when you, you have to read it and then you have to decide for yourself whether or not how you interpret it, right? Yep. And I think it is... And Kerouac himself as a person, he, he tried not to be very judgmental. And I think that's where he's at with this book, or how he's writing, how he, he basically appreciates everything, loves everything, everything's holy. Yep. Um, it, it, it's, this is spiritual. You're right. Like, yeah. in this, you can kind of see that he's like... He's been said to be like he was a he was a uh, an American Catholic, a Catholic American writer. Okay, and that's yeah. where that's where his point of reference was. It wasn't it wasn't to to go out and have kicks. He used that as 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 basically the carriage for how he got to mm-hmm. to be holy. And you can you know, see like how find his spirituality. He refers to Dean as an angel, and there yeah. there is like great bursts of like at some point he, he becomes yeah, he becomes sure. the holy goof. Right? He, yes, yeah. absolutely. Like absolutely, some kind of like blessed. Sacred court jester. Yeah. I know you're, you're absolutely right. That totally makes him out to that. Yeah. Though we don't agree with him, but but it definitely presented that way. So this part, the reason I, I framed this or brought these up is to go back to our initial part of our discussion. Like it's basically a two themed episode for this one. One was, do we agree with Truman Capote? Is this typing or is this literature? I disagree with Truman Capote. I think that this is literature. This is classic. This is amazing. There are some parts where I can see where Truman Capote got to the idea. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some stuff where it just seems like he's like, like reading a, like rewriting a grocery list. You know, like we did this, we did that, we did this. You know, but there's parts where it just it, it's astounding. Like, it, and it, it it hits you where you live. Like, it's it's poetic. Really good. Yeah. If I may go back to the part you said where it's like a where it's like a grocery list. And we haven't really touched on this, and I'm not sure how much time we have before we have to talk about it too much. We talked about how this is considered how how one of the famous stories in the background of this of this book is that he wrote it in one giant scroll at yeah. one time. Like yeah. that was the great. He taped a mm-hmm. bunch of paper together and and just wrote it in a giant scroll. He actually was quoted as saying that it was it was basically it was dictated. Dictated by the Holy Ghost. Exactly. Like, so this was his Bible. It was. Right? That's the myth, right? Uh, yeah, like he wrote well, it. Well, he. Had, well, it's not the myth. He did do that. Like, but he had written. He had been writing and rewriting it in his notebooks, and mm-hmm. and there there was a a story that he had congealed together. Like this wasn't just he sat down one day. Took out his notebooks and wrote for three weeks. When I said the myth, that's the myth, though. Yeah, like that's the that. myth. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And so when you have that myth, and to be able to. Bust out 300 pages in three weeks. I can see why someone would be like, "That's just typing." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, but because I mean, he was on like a drug crazed bender too, while a lot doing of doing this. it. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't just you know. So and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, even though that's the case, there are such nuggets of great writing that you yeah. can't say it's just typing. Like, no. this is he did yeah. good. Like for sure. So on that aspect, I disagree with Truman Capote. I think this is sure. a classic piece of literature. I think it's literature for sure. Definitely. And so the second theme, and I'll get into this part, I, won't, I don't have to break into my quote so much, just so that we know that they're there, that this is supposed to be the hippie Bible, the hippie, the, the beat Bible. Like, this is what yeah. started the hippies. It was the seed, it, was, it planted the seed for the hippie generation. It kind of went from beat to beatnik to hippies. hippies. And Jack Kerouac pretty much disavowed, disavowed this, was against this, and this yeah. wasn't case. The beats also, like, he didn't want to, not that he disavowed it, but he didn't want to answer the beatnik question like 
I think that one of the things I found most interesting, or, or one of the best lines I read this, was like it was in the introduction, and the lady who wrote the intro wrote something like, "He went to bed one night." And woke up the next day world famous. Yeah. And every day of the rest of his life having to have to answer the beat question. Yeah. And so, like, so he said it's not, and it's considered that it is, right? So that's what I want to discuss. I want to see if he was right. If he, if he, he was quoted as saying that what he wrote in On the Road was basically what him and his friends had done. He said it was some good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, it, but it was just like a recounting of it. I don't think he meant to influence people in such regard. Um, and like I said, I think that happened because it, he, it was one of the first books that kind of broke the mold of what how you could live. Mm-hmm. It, or explain it for this next batch of time that's about to happen. Yeah. I, I agree. No, and that's the thing is, so like, I'm not sure where you're going to land on it if, if you think it is or if you don't. I'll tell you right now, there are one, two, sorry, <laughs> three, four... Nine different references to to beat, just the term beat, like, like yeah. the, the most beatest suitcase I've ever seen, or like, like well, like, he he coined the term beat, and it it, may, it meant he actually was quoted as saying, someone asked him what he thought beat meant, he it meant sympathetic, he said. Fair enough. So I I, I got you. The way he I won't deny that. meant it, I think, and the way and how he wrote about it, his his point of reference to that, how he wrote that. Completely different from how it got interpreted. Might have been disconnected. Yeah. And, and, okay. And I, I can agree with that. I, I won't deny you on that. As long as you grant that no one had written about beat in the past. No, it's the no. First it was the first time being done. Yeah. So if it's the first time doing it, you got to own it. You can't be like, like, no, I have nothing to do with hippies. You know, like, it does. Like, you know. Well, like, okay. So, like, when he wrote it, he didn't envision of course what not. was going to happen of course with not. It. Right, he right. had his interpretation of what he was writing right and it, like any good literature any good writer you write and you let other people interpret it i think where it got to the point where he had to disavow the hippie generation was that they were basically saying that you created us i kind of disagree a little though because when you write you know what your message is you know what you're trying to put out there like i agree that some folks will misinterpret or interpret it as they want to we don't deny that but you know what you're writing and yeah. like he's writing about the beat stuff like yeah and but like he did i don't think he had he intended it to get to the to the point where the hippie generation became almost like a political movement and they co-opted Carole, the yeah Carole Carole himself was apolitical he he was he, actually conservative almost republican is what yeah but he said. actually he never voted oh I know he that. never he he, he he was he asked them someone asked him why he never voted and he's like i, I don't know i just never, never have did. no but i thought and from what I, heard it was I think he right was he was I think the way he was as a human being, like he was more, like he said, sympathetic. That's mm-hmm. what he, he used the term. I feel. I think he 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 liked people. He saw the good in everyone. I think he saw the good in everything. I don't think he liked to dwell on the bad. So I think that's where he probably shied away from politics. I would agree. No, and you can kind of see it where his interpretation of 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 Mexican culture and African American culture, like he kind of doesn't take the. Bad the real stuff. stuff. He take, yeah. yeah, he doesn't look he at the real. He takes the good stuff, the Agreed. stuff that he needs, the stuff that he he finds. I don't want to say if he thought, thought it interesting, but what he needed. What he needed. What he yeah. could use. I, I agree. And it looks like and I'm not going to try to convince you anymore. Where I land on this, I, I think the best line for me though to 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 show me where I land on this part of the discussion was that he writes on page part two, chapter six, page one forty three, when talking of old bully. In Istanbul, he threaded his way through the crowds of opium addicts and rug sellers looking for the facts. Like, 
I think that at the end of the day, like that's a theme that you get in both the beatniks and the hippies. And like also kind of a theme throughout the entire novel. So when you're 18, 17, 16, especially say in 1967, 68, whenever when this book comes out, and like you're buying into that and you see it, like it's hard for me not to grant him like the authority of, of, of the DNA of hippies, you know what I mean, or the authority of beatnik. I know you, I know he doesn't want it, and I, I'm not denying you. You're totally right. Like he didn't mean for that to happen, yeah. but it totally did. Like, and for me, he's got to own that. Well, that's, that's where I think that too. Yeah, and and uh, I believe it was, I believe it was uh, old bully William Burroughs that had a quote, and I don't know it uh, word for word, but it's something to the regards where. Uh, they'll know you by your deeds, not by your disclaimers. Mm. So, as much as Kerouac wanted to say that he didn't agree with the hippie generation, like they they took what they took out of that book, out of his book, what what turned into possibly into the hippie generation. A lot of the, a lot of the elements. And, and, it goes back to what you were saying. It, it wasn't just Kerouac. I mean, you had Allen writers. Ginsberg, yeah. Uh, yeah. Holmes, uh, uh, Burroughs, like all that stuff. Kind of, you know. And it goes back to what you're saying. Not just in the '60s when you're when you're 18, but you were, you know, in the '90s when you're 18 when you write. So it, I think it strikes a chord with that age range, which of course was important to that hippie thing. Like they were all young. Yeah. Like that's a big. I never factor. took any political leanings out of this book. Of course though. not. That, that 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 I never got, and I think that's probably where he separates. I feel you. Where, where an apolitical writer kind of would be like, mystified why 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 a movement could get politicized from his book. It reminds me now that you're saying it that way in, in our discussion. It reminds me. You're like two years ago or a year ago. This is now April of 2018. There was the bull and then the little girl in front of them. It was like it was yeah. like the two statues. Yep, in New York. Yeah, but they outside were time, outside of the uh, Wall Street. And but they were completely separate of each other. They had nothing to do with each other. Okay. So when they did this, it became this amazing new piece of art. But the yeah. bull sculptor was like, no, <laughs> my bull's not a bad guy. Like that's not what he was made for. Like I, he was yeah. not cool with that. So like, like there, his idea is getting co-opted. And with nothing that he had to do with it, and turn into a movement or piece of movement. Yeah. Whereas here, not trying to, he kind of like lays the groundwork for that movement, for elements of that movement, not the complete yeah. movement. Like, like I get that too. Yeah. He's not. You're right. There's no. There's no real politics in this. There's no like anybody's better than anybody or whatever. I don't. I don't yeah. see that. But it's just the stuff that some of the movement grabbed onto comes from that. So that, that's kind of where I fall with on the second part of the discussion that. It, for me, it is the beat Bible. It is part of the hippie generation. Like this, this those part parcel to that. That's that's what I discovered after my research. That, that's why I end up falling. I'm not sure what you do. I always look at things from two ways. I look at it personally, and I look at it. I try to look at it objectively. Personally, I don't see where they could, where where that would lead to that step. And maybe that just speaks to how, who I am as an individual. Objectively, I could totally see how you could you could extrapolate out all that. Yep, hippie. Stuff. I got you. Yeah, no, you're right. No, exactly. We're cleaning it up, folks. <laughs> All the hippie stuff and and, and, and moving into that regard. And, and I think it's only only natural for someone from an older generation who Kerouac was at that point yep. to reject that because he, he he's saying I didn't I didn't birth this movement, but you're saying I did. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's good. And like. So I found that really interesting. And when I was talking about... Like, that's it. Like, 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 I think that's my two bits that I really want to talk about. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Just that, you know, I think in the final rundown, I'm going to say that it, it is literature. It's not typing. Yep. And that 
this, this, I mean, pretty undeniable that this did. I don't say it birthed the hippie movement, but it, it helped plant the seed that turned into the hippie That's part of it. That's what I thought. Like, it's all, I'm, I'm glad we agree, or we may not completely agree, but I see what you're saying. Like, that's yeah. that we agree on. The one thing that I wanted to come back to before I let us all go, and I wanted to talk about the re, when I said, like, Neil Cassidy slash Dean Moriarty was reiterating adulthood, we now kind of live in an era where, like, maybe not the bad parts of Dean Moriarty, but we have a whole bunch of, the family structure's different, you know what I mean? So, like, what yeah. he was doing is essentially what ends up happening now, you know what I mean? Like, he, for lack of a better term, he's a baby daddy with several baby mothers, with several baby mamas, and, like, that's not uncommon these days. Like, that's, again, without meaning to, kind of seeing into the future, which I thought was interesting. I understand where you're coming from. Um, the stigma... Because back then, if he, if you had all these things, like the, the stigma for the awfulness fell on the woman. The woman, yes, which is totally different. That's than been what we... that's been topsy turvy now. That like the stigma is on should where where it rightfully should be. It's As on, on the, the fathers that are father, leaving yeah. and whatnot. Yep. No, and we're sorry. we're appreciating all these strong women that are raising these kids on on their own. Now. Yep. Where back in the day they were they were oh. She's, she's an easy woman or whatever. Or whatever, some criticism they yeah, would give. Yeah, even, exactly. Not even that far back in the day, right? No, like, no, you know, no. In yeah, the yeah, 80s, yeah. there was yeah. still one on exactly. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was so really now I think we've we've righted our thinking and I'm we're there. in the right. Yeah. We're looking at it in the correct, with the correct lens. So, I, anyway, I know we've, we've hammered home our final points, but I just want to make sure, like I say, I think it's a classic. Like, like there's, there's so much to it that you can look into, which is... I think a really ends up being a really good book. Like, like, I think it's a very important novel. I think if you want to get an idea of of how a, a, a cross section of the United States was living at that point. I mean, this is by all means isn't all encompassing about of life you know, back then, but it, it's it, it'll give you a slice of it. Right? And cross section is perfect words. It's got East Coast, it's got Midwest, it's got yeah. West Coast, and it's got down south. So like. What I'm trying to get at long-windedly is, at the end of the day, I definitely think you should read this book and check it out. Definitely give it a read. Uh, we'll have a link for it up on the website, so you can purchase it or go to your local library and check it out. And, and that's On the Road. Let us know what you think. Are we full of garbage? <laughs> Does my voice not make you happy? Uh, let us know. You can always reach us at, uh, at Google Play. You can, I'm sorry, you can always reach us at Twitter. Yeah, Facebook uh, and Twitter. We're at Alt History PC. Facebook is Alternative History. You can email us at Alternative History Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if we're way off base or if you do not like us very much. Please subscribe on iTunes and please follow us on Google. Uh, leave a comment on iTunes or on, on any platform you listen to it us really on. helps review all that like, stuff like don't like whatever you think we're a four letter word that we no longer say on this program let, be sure to let us know and you can use those words all you want we're fine we want to say thank you for listening as always we appreciate you